listening to the 4th and 16th Podcast. And now, your host, Ellis Tolbert. What's up, folks? Welcome to 4th and 16th Sports. I'm your host, Ellis Tolbert. We're going to be talking college football for one hour wall-to-wall. Uh, of course, we're coming to you live from Pronk Studios here in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I've got my main man, Fax and Childress, back there uh, on the controls with me. We're going to have a good show for you guys tonight. Uh, thank you all for joining, by the way. We'll get to you guys in just a second. We've got a really good show. We're going to be talking about some possible effects that the COVID-19 uh, a pandemic can have on the college football season. Hopefully none or very minimal. We're also going to talk about uh, some of the top quarterback battles in the country coming up. Uh, for the 2020 season. There's a lot of good ones, uh, and some of these are ones I want to talk about because I think they could shape the college football playoff landscape. Uh, Of course, thanks everyone for watching. Of course, if you're watching over on uh, Twitter, Periscope, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, Feel free to join the conversation. And same for all of you on Facebook Live. Thank you so much. Uh, If you guys can't catch this or you have to go in the middle of it or whatnot, uh, it will be available later in the week on YouTube. You can watch the recap there or via podcast. Uh, That's the 4th and 16 podcast. You can find that wherever you find your podcast. Uh, Just look for the 4th and 16 logo, orange and purple, uh, and we'll get you going. Uh, But again, thanks to everyone. Of course, times are rough. We're in weird times. I know if you live in South Carolina, you just got the heck scared out of you by some loud alarm uh, about the uh, non-essential businesses closing. Uh, that's really making a huge effect on this country and the world is it's, is it in and of itself. Uh, there's a lot of things that are changing as we know it. Um, and we're having to deal with it. We're having to cope. A lot of people are unable to go out and do the things that they want to normally do. Uh, but that's just what we want to do to be good citizens. With that said, there have, there's been a lot of things going on. So a lot of businesses have been closing. A lot of my friends and family have been out of work. Uh, I'm unfortunate um, that I do still have to go out in the workforce, uh, but I am fortunate that I do still have a job and some income coming in. But it's one of those things where we're all having to play our part uh, to make this thing right. Uh, But with that said, a lot of people aren't. So you're seeing a lot of things happening and this thing is mushrooming pretty fast. I want to preface this whole show by saying that I am not a doctor, obviously. (laughs) So I will not be giving you any numbers or anything like that. I encourage you to go to the CDC website. Johns Hopkins has some really good stuff there. There are a lot lot of resources out there that can get you the correct information. That's the problem with a lot of this stuff. A lot of people just are uninformed about it, so they're not really able to do a lot. But uh, with that said, that's changing everything. Like I said, we've seen suspensions of seasons for the NBA. We've seen baseball suspend their season. NFL's trying to figure out what they're going to do, but right now they're saying that they're going to stay on track. Uh, soccer, sports world is rocked as we know it, but college football is what we're all here for, right? There's a chance that college football could potentially be canceled, and we'll talk about that a little bit in this segment. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet actually started a lot of... Uh, I'm not saying he's wrong, but he started a whole lot of panic and paranoia. Uh, He came out with a tweet a couple of days ago saying that the season could actually be uh, completely canceled. It just doesn't even happen uh, because he's thinking that, you know, if it comes back in the fall, kind of like the flu season, we may see, you know, college football. You couldn't justify having a bunch of people go into a stadium. Think about some of these stadiums with 100,000 people going in it or plus. Uh, plus the players and their health and their family and the coaching staff, everybody involved. Uh, so he's saying that. But I'm not that much of a nihilist. I don't believe that that's going to happen. I am very eternally optimistic when it comes to the college football season. 
I think that we're going to be fine. But we'll talk about how it could affect the season going forward. Uh, like I said, I got my main man facts in here with me. Feel free to join the conversation. If you have your thoughts and opinions, bring them in the comments. We will talk to you about it. We will try to get to your comment as we talk. Um, now, here's the thing. I don't think that the season's going to be canceled. I do think that it will change how we see the quality of football a little bit, at least early on, because there's a lot of things that go into a college football season. It doesn't just start in September and August. It starts pretty much in January. A lot of these teams are getting their meetings going in January to start their spring practice, and by now they're going. A lot of schools are not uh, in the situation where, they, you know, maybe they had their meetings a little bit later. Depends on where you are. Of course, if you're a Clemson fan, uh, you basically got out of the national championship game and went right into meetings. Uh, for the 2020 season. Um, but in that case, what's happening is a lot, no team out there is able to uh, have their spring practice. Again, Clemson, I know a couple other schools, they're supposed to have their spring game, I think on the 4th, that might be this weekend. Uh, that's canceled. There is no spring activities. As of right now, there's no summer activities or workouts. So no team has the advantage. But going into fall is when there's going to be a lot of those questions that are being answered that should have been answered in the uh, spring games. Uh, but like I said, if you don't have those workouts, you've got a lot of these freshman teams, uh, teams with a lot of freshmen coming in or teams that are just trying to figure out what their roster and their depth is going to be like. They don't get that opportunity to figure out what exactly they can do or what they have in the bag. They just kind of kind of got to figure it out. But again, no team has the advantage. There is no team working out right now. So Faxon, I'm going to move it over to you. What do you think about this? How do you think that we can trans, you know, get this season going and have pretty good football season despite having no workouts for a large part of the year? Well, I think there's definitely some teams that are at uh, more of a disadvantage. I mean, uh, I think Clemson will be okay because we didn't really have a ton of like freshmen coming in that needed a ton of work. Uh, DJ specifically, he came in last fall, so he should be good, know the playbook if something were to happen to Trevor. But there are definitely some teams that are bringing in transfers, uh, specifically QBs, which we're going to talk about later in the show. And there's going to be some QB battles that might not even be able to be had because of this coronavirus uh, pandemic. So it's there are going to be some teams that are definitely upset about this because they're not going to be able to establish starters going into the season. I think you're going to see a lot of sloppy early season games, especially that Chick-fil-A kickoff game. I feel like <laughs> like those type of games, those premier matchups at the beginning of the season have potential to be just awful, awful football games. Well, if you watch college football start off last year, Florida and Miami, that was one of the worst games I've watched in recent history. It's probably going to be a lot of that throughout college football. There's going to be a lot of sloppy play. Normally, that's your game one anyway. It's kind of the tune-up to get figured out, to try to figure out how you're going to see your depth. Again, like we say, you know, if you got a quarterback that you're just ready to see and see how he picks it up, well, there's your opportunity. But in the fall, when you don't have spring, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. And a lot of these guys, some guys, it doesn't matter. And like you said, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think some of the teams won't have problems. It's just some of those teams that are already dealing with a lot of stuff. So a team like NC State last season, they were hit with the injury bug. They had no depth, a bunch of young players. Well, they're going to be bringing back those young players yet again for this season, but they are not going to get any work. So we don't know what the deal is. And that's what I'm saying. Some of these teams might just be terrible because of that. But I, I think – your upper echelon of teams, like you mentioned, I, I'm glad you said that Clemson's going to be fine. 
the install is going to be fine. And even if DJ Uyunglele doesn't get the playbook, you still have Tyson Pumachan. Wow, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> you still have him who, who who does know the playbook a little bit, so you can have that continuity. You've got all that continuity at running back. The only problem I see with the Clemson Tigers is the second-string offensive line. You're, you're kind of bringing in a lot of guys who – are still swimming. That's a phrase that a lot of college football coaches use for guys who are trying to figure out the playbook. I mean, they're out there, they're physically ready to go, but they're just, well, sometimes they're physically ready to go, but you know, they're ready to go, but they just don't know what they're doing. They might block the wrong direction. These are the things that you want to get tuned up in spring. You might, you're, you're obviously not going to have that spring is done. It's canceled. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I am not one of the ones who thinks that college football will be canceled. But let me say, there is always a chance that that could happen. Now, I don't like being doom and gloom guy. I hate that. I think it's terrible. There's enough people doing that right now. I don't want to do that. But in the event that the season is over, you're going to see a lot of college football get shaken up a little bit. And I want to talk about that right now. I'm talking specifically about the Clemson Tigers. Uh, a lot of other teams as well will be dealing with this. So uh, if they cancel the season, that means no college football this season course they were talking with basketball we all know that ncaa basketball was canceled before the tournament started uh, they were canceled during their conference championship tournament tournaments uh, but there was no march madness a lot of these guys i'm not if i'm not mistaken did not get their eligibility back am i right about that faction or uh, yes uh since they're i think it was classified as uh they're a winter sport technically so the winter sport athletes will not have their eligibility uh, uh extended or anything is what uh is what the NCAA ruling made, and I honestly don't disagree with that, even though it's a tough call to make. Uh, I think that's one that they kind of had to make because they played the entire regular season, and some of the winter sports played uh, played their playoffs and championships too. So if they if they overturned it for just basketball, there would have been uproar among different winter sports in their communities. You know, I agree with that, and I, you know, obviously that's a totally different thing. I think basketball is is what it is. Uh, if you're a Clemson fan, you're happy because you went undefeated in a conference championship, uh, it was great. <laughs> you could technically call yourself the runner-up since Florida State won it, and you're going to play Florida State. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things where if in football, even if they gave all the eligibility back to every player, said, hey, you, could, you know what, you're not going to play this season, but for 2021, you get to retain your eligibility. Uh, you know, obviously, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't keep your grade level. So if you were a junior now, you're going to be a senior next year. But – you could also come back and play an extra football season. A lot of players won't do that. And the reason why is because the NFL is looming. The NFL is always there. XFL is starting to play players as well. Uh, but the NFL is there. They do. They have this thing where three years removed from high school. It doesn't matter if you play three years of college football. Just three years removed from high school. Now, you tell me if you're a junior in, high school, in, in college football uh, and you are going to be projected to be in the top ten, maybe even the first round, of the uh, NFL draft in 2021. Do you think that you're going to come back to play this season when you could go to the NFL? A lot of guys won't do that. Uh, and why would you? I mean, if you have that chance, and specifically speaking about a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I know people don't want to hear it, but if you're Trevor Lawrence and they cancel this season and you're supposed to be the number one draft pick in 2021, why would you come back to Clemson? You might have seen Trevor Lawrence's last season. Now, let me backtrack all the way and say that, again, I do not think that this is going to happen for college football. I think college football is going to go on as planned, maybe some changes here and there. But if that does happen, you might see a lot of these guys foregoing. And same for guys like, you know, Justin Ross and <laughs> Justin Fields. 
Uh, all you have to do is be three years removed from uh, high school football. So uh, that could really change up college football as we know it. Uh, Transfer Portal has already done that. We really don't need something like this happening. But again, I'm on that train that I do not think that uh, college football will be canceled this season. Faxon, tell me uh, this. What's your thoughts on this, man? If they do go on as planned, would you be in favor of maybe rescheduling some games or something like for a different year or or maybe even just moving it back a little bit. So if you've got a, a late season buy, you just switch that with uh, you know an opener or something like that and maybe something like that. So that way you can just start on time. We know the CDC has been constantly pushing back. We know from President Trump that we've had it uh, moved back to April 30th. That's contingent on what we do with our social distancing and personal hygiene. If that If we fail to go over the curve and it gets pushed back, would you be in favor of something like that? Well, I think that I don't know like if my opinion really matters on it, but I will say that I think there's going to be some sub like there's going to be something changed about the college football season if we keep it at this pace. And I'm really hoping that it doesn't mean cancellation. And I, I think that rescheduling is a realistic and and po- like an optimistic goal. Uh, I think that rescheduling is probably the most likely as opposed to cancellation. So I would say that maybe you see the season pushed back. Um, maybe you see some games rescheduled, maybe, maybe you get some like out of conference games canceled and they just play in conference. I feel like all of those uh, scenarios are realistic at this point, but here's the hoping that this just blows over and everything can go uh, normally for football season. I completely agree with that. And like I said, I know you don't really want to cut some of these teams. You don't want to cut like a Citadel for Clemson or an Akron because you are paying them and you do help their program go. It's not like they can't make their own money, but it would just hurt severely for them to be able to be cut from the program, from the schedule. However, if you've got an early game that you want to just move back to a late game, I think that would be fine. There's no reason for a lot of these teams to be starting in August. Uh, you could just probably start the season in September with everyone and maybe cut a week, you know, instead this past season was strange for Clemson. They played in the conference championship game and literally the next week, uh, and the, the last game of the season. And then the next week they were playing in a conference game. There wasn't the whole week before or anything like that. So you can condense this season. You can do a lot of things and this is the critical time that we need to do it. But of course we need to do our part by social distancing, wash your hands and your whole body. (laughs) Don't just wash your hands and wash with soap. There's so many people I've been catching watching, washing their hands with just water that will not do it. Wash your hands with soap, people. And we will get through this if we just come together and do what we're supposed to do. If you can, try not to go out unless it's essential business. Look, I look like a woolly mammoth right now. My face is terrible. I got a terrible haircut. Why do you think I wear the caps? But I'm doing my part by not going to essential businesses because I don't want to spread the, trend, uh, the disease to anyone else, uh, nor do I want to have it. I'm in that risk uh, category, so I want to keep myself healthy. I want to keep everybody else healthy. Uh, I think if we do that, we will have a pretty good year going forward uh, and just keep everyone in your thoughts and prayers will be fine. Uh, but again, so let's get, we're going to go into our next topic now, uh, which is top quarterback battles. And of course, a lot of this uh, is going to go hand in hand with that first topic, because whether you have a season or you don't, there's still going to be a lot of things that are going to be unknown because most quarterback battles are kind of settled a little bit in spring. Some are settled in fall. But if you only have fall, uh, it's going to change a lot. So we're going to go ahead and get into that. Again, thanks for everyone watching. If you're watching over on Facebook, we're going to give you a quick shout out. Uh, appreciate you all being there. We're also going to give you a quick shout out on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, we enjoy having you guys with us. We know that 
there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of people at home doing things that they, you know, wish they, they, they wish they could be out and having fun or watching a sports game. But here we are talking to me. You got college football Tigers, CFB Tigers over on Twitter. What's going on, man? Uh, over on Facebook, we're going to get those round up too. And again, feel free to join the conversation. Uh, we want you guys to get your opinions in. We want to talk more about these things with you because it is driven through you guys. So again, big appreciation. Al Coon's on there. He's talking with us. What's going on, Al Coon? Let's go Tigers. I like it. We got Ann Watson Lewis watching. Uh, what's going on? Kyle Southern, my buddy from Arkansas Hog Talk. He's going to be on here talking with me uh, in, 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 the, in the future, but we're also going to be talking about some of those Arkansas quarterbacks going on in the future of this episode. So get ready for it. We got Angie Page as well. Uh, the Roar. <laughs> I forgot about that. The Roar is on there too. Uh, thank you guys for uh, helping share and get this word out. Uh, and we're also going to have fun. Kevron Harris. What's going on, man? Ethel Childress. Hello, Miss Ethel. Uh, we're going to keep going here. So, again, we're going to talk about the top 20 quarter. Uh, excuse me. We're going to talk about the quarterback battles around the country. And I picked almost 20 uh, battles. And I think these are the ones going to be the most interesting uh, going forward. And we're going to start with the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, so, Duke is in an unfortunate situation. They lost their quarterback, Quentin Harris. Uh, the year before that, they lost Daniel Jones to the NFL. Uh, so they haven't had a whole lot of continuity with quarterbacks lately. But now they're going to get a guy named Chase Bryce from Clemson Tigers. He transferred over there this past season. Uh, he's going to have two years of eligibility to play for them, and he's one of those guys that can change your program if you're Duke. Uh, he can be right in line with a guy like Daniel Jones. Uh, he's 6'3", teetering 6'4", 220, 230, uh, good arm. And we've seen what he could do if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. If you're a Duke fan, you're trying to figure out what's going on, just to let you know, he was one of the reasons why Clemson was able to have an undefeated season in 2018. So the kid's a baller. He's been a winner everywhere he went. He's going to have a relatively easy time going into the fall camp uh, in this battle. I'm not going to say that because I'm disparaging the rest of the guys. It's just they don't have a lot of experience. Uh, Chris Kachenik, redshirt junior at uh, Duke, uh, is the only other guy that has any experience, much less any actual attempts in a game, and his are less than five. So uh, <laughs> looks like Chase Bryce is going to win this one. You never know, though, especially with this stuff going on. And they also have true freshman Luca Diamond, who might come in and try to do some things going on. Um, Facts, do you think there's anyone that could beat out Chase Bryce right now at Duke? Um, as far as like a talent perspective, absolutely not. I'm just going to go through these uh, battles, as are you. Uh, assuming that this blows over and they can have a normal camp to to prepare for the season. So Chase Bryce, I, I lived in Atlanta for a long time. He went to Grayson High School. Yep. I watched him absolutely demolish my high school. This kid can play, and we saw <laughs> we saw what he did against Syracuse, leading the comeback. And as you as you mentioned prior, um, if it's just based off of talent and and, and pure. He's just a quarterback. He, he's going to come in and he's going to he's going to change their program. If you ask me, I, I think Cudliff's a really good guy for developing QB talent, and I think you could end up seeing Chase Bryce be an NFL guy. Uh, maybe not picked as highly as Jones, but maybe like a late day pick in the NFL if he has two good seasons at Duke. So I'm going to say he definitely wins the battle, provided he knows the playbook and stuff because of this uh, whole pandemic. But yeah, if it's just who's the better player, Bryce Katernick or Diamond, it's not even close. It's not even close. 
We got Jason Priester and Nathan Swords on the comments over on Facebook. Chase Bryce wins that job running away. Problem is, does Duke have the athletes around the outside to help Bryce be the best he can be? Uh, and Jason Priester says Bryce wins that one easy. Look, Nathan, I think that he doesn't have the weapons around him. He does return a running back that's going to be pretty talented, but you need more than that. At the same time, though, I play devil's advocate. When was the last time that Duke has had an elite athlete at receiver or tight end uh, in the program. I can't remember. <laughs> Jamison Crowder, maybe that's been a while ago, but I can't really think of anybody around them. So he's going to be able to, I, I agree with facts and he's going to have a pretty good season. He's going to have the opportunity to go out and show what he can do because this is a, this isn't his only season at Duke. He still has two years so he can make or break. I just don't think anybody right now, talent wise can beat him out. Again, Chris Katrinic has only have, he has only had five, I think attempts in a game. Uh, the rest of the guys, there's a couple other quarterbacks, but I did not mention them because they are not going to be, uh, they're not going to be able to get into this battle and make a difference right now. Uh, either they're too young or just don't have the experience. But I think Chase Price win this one, wins this one running away. Plus, again, you mentioned from high school uh, over at Grayson, the guy is a winner. He knows nothing but winning, uh, and he's been a model athlete and a model teammate and a model student at Clemson. So best wishes to Chase Bryce. Moving on to Miami. <laughs> so Miami has been in the unfortunate situation of playing musical chairs, the quarterbacks, for years. I'm not just talking last year or the year before or the year before that. We can go all the way back to like 2008. They have been shuffling, shuffling quarterbacks forever. Now, they've had some really talented quarterbacks, but for whatever reason, the coach that had at that time – uh, they've had been they've been shuffling quarterback. I mean, coaches as well. Uh, just felt like they need to go with somebody else, and then they'll change their mind and go with, back with the quarterback again. So we've got issues. But now they have landed what seems to be the coveted quarterback of the transfer portal at this point. Derek King came over from Houston. Derek King is a redshirt senior, so he's been there. He's been around for five years. Very talented guy. He's only about five ten. That's being generous. Uh, he probably weighs about 180, but he is a baller. The guy can run. He can throw. He's not the most accurate guy, but he can throw the ball. Uh, he is, I don't know. He's one of those guys that could make or break the offense. Now, they are dealing with a pretty, totally do, new offense. Rhett Lashley is going to be running what is seeming to be a, an air raid offense. I don't know. Uh, Dan Enos put him in a bad situation last year. He has moved on since, uh, but now... They want to come back with a vengeance. Uh, he's going to be battling. <laughs> this quarterback battle has been going on for a long time. Nikosi Perry has been in a quarterback battle with three different quarterbacks at Miami. And he has won them like every other week. He has not held on to the starting position. I'm guessing that Derrick King is going to take that and win. And then you also have Ohio State transfer Tate Martell. Now, I don't know what the plans are for Tate Martell. I personally think that he might need to go on and play a different position. He is super talented everywhere else except being a quarterback. I think that he has good leadership, but he just can't. He's not a good quarterback. So right now it looks like it's going to come down between Derek King and Nikosi Perry. Fax, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I think we're definitely going to see a position change, just piggybacking on what you said for Tate. Uh, he's a really talented player, and like you said, he's a great leader. I just don't know if he's at the correct position. Uh, I do think De'Aaron King is going to – I don't think they would have brought him in if he didn't have some sort of, like, reassurance that he was going to get a job. So I think that King is better than Perry and Martell as a QB. I mean, fifth-year guy. He's coming in from Houston where he had success. I think he wins the job pretty comfortably, but I do think Perry's a good player at, uh, at the backup 
Maybe Tate Martell, you saw him, he was lining up at wide receiver some last year. <laughs> maybe we see like a running back, wide receiver, maybe like some wildcat action from Tate Martell. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what goes down there in South Florida. I personally think he'll be a monster if they put him somewhere other than quarterback. I mean, you give the guy an opportunity to do it, he's going to do it. But at quarterback, he is just not your guy. <laughs> it's going to be down between uh, De'Aaron King, the guy who broke Tim Tebow's passing and rushing record in a season uh, at a quarterback position, which is no you know, nothing to scoff at. And then Nikosi Perry. Now, of course, Nikosi Perry kept being in a battle with uh, Jalen, uh, Jaron Williams and Jaron Williams has now gone to the play, uh, the transfer portal. So it, that's a done, that's over. I, again, I think it's just between Perry and King. And I think King has the upper hand on that. Uh, missed a comment over on Twitter. Uh, FQ Clemson says, is it going to matter for, Co for the coastal? This is in regards to Duke. Uh, and Chase Bryce. I don't think that Duke has the weapons to beat what North Carolina is doing. Well, that's true. I don't think very many teams on the Coastal right now have a chance to beat North Carolina. If North Carolina can keep it together, again, they're one of those teams that are always supremely talented, but either wins a game by one or loses a game by one. So I, I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to be the Coastal champions, but I have to wait on that. But again, I, I don't think it matters for Duke. I think Duke is going to still be either middle of the pack or at the bottom this coming season. All right, so we're going to move along and talk about the Crimson Tide, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide! You know how they are. Yeah, all that stuff. All right, so they are going to be losing Tua Tonga Vailoa, the guy who got them to the conference, made the national championship, uh, and won it, and then lost it, and then just did a terrible job uh, managing himself. And then Alabama did a terrible job keeping him safe. He was hurt. And then now he's going to go into the NFL draft. So what do you do after Tua Tungavailoa is gone uh, and Jalen Hurts is gone? What do you do? You turn to presumably Mac Jones. Uh, forgive me for not being stoked on Mac Jones, but that is the reason why no one really thought that Alabama was going to get in the playoffs this past season, and they didn't. Uh, and if you're an Alabama fan, you're just hoping that incoming freshman Bryce Young can really win this job. Now, Bryce Young is the number one quarterback in the country. Depends on who you watch. You see the DJ Uyunglele at Clemson or Bryce Young. Bryce Young comes from modern day, I believe, in California. Really good talent. He's only about 5'11". He looks exactly like Tua. He is Tua part two. Uh, he might be a little bit more athletic and mobile than Tua. Uh, so it's going to be between those guys. Of course, Talia Tungavailoa, Tua's little brother, is still on roster as well. Who do you think wins that one? I don't know that it really matters early on, but later in the season when it gets down to it, I think it's going to matter who is the quarterback. I don't think it's going to be Mac Jones. I think it's going to be Bryce Young. Yeah, I was about to say that. I think we're going to see a Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence type thing going on here. So I think that I think that Mac Jones probably wins the job in camp and starts the season as the starter. But you might see Bryce Young get some series here or there. And Bryce Young is by far the more talented player here. I mean, you're, we're talking about he was rated higher than DJ uh, for most sites coming out of high school. So this is like the number one recruit, uh, QB recruit from his class. Uh, it's him and DJ are one and two, just kind of going for that title. But... I think that we will see Bryce Young as the starting QB uh, headed later into the season. And we've also seen, and I, I say this because we've seen Nick Saban is not afraid to change quarterbacks mid-season or even mid-game if he knows he needs a win. So I think that we could see a type a type of thing where, uh, where Mac Jones starts the season as a starter but doesn't finish it. Well, and, and that's right. And, you know, we don't really make that comment in light or in jokes of Kelly Bryant. 
legitimately, I don't think that Mac Jones can hold off Bryce Young. Bryce Young is one of those guys that you put him on the field again, he's going to do crazy things. Now, Nathan Swords over on Facebook comments says, can Tua's brother do what he couldn't? Can he read defenses and post-snap? Uh, Mac Jones can read defenses post-snap. He can. Can he get the ball to them before they get to it? Before the defender gets to it? No. The answer is no. We watched this happen against teams like Auburn. Uh, we watched it happen against LSU later on. I don't think he has a chance to really pull it off. Uh, I don't think he has the arm strength or the athleticism, even though he's a better quarterback than people think. So don't, don't think that I'm sitting here disparaging Mac Jones. I'm just saying that there are better quarterbacks on his on the roster right now. But Mac Jones, uh, <laughs> if unless he has a Joe Burrow-type turnaround, uh, I don't see him winning that battle uh, in Alabama. And plus, Alabama is one of those uh, programs where if you fail, uh, they're going to be ready to get you out. Just think about Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was the guy that won uh, the SEC uh, Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman, uh, and he took him to the playoffs. He took him to the national championship where they did lose to the Clemson Tigers. Uh, he was nothing but awesome. Of course, he was kind of inept when it comes to throwing the football. I don't care what anybody says. You can still say it. I still don't think that Jalen Hurts right now is full-on an NFL quarterback. I, fight me, whatever. But you see a guy who got them to that level, who was playing a very high level for Alabama. When they found Tua, it was like instantly like, get this guy out of here. We've, we've forgotten about him. It is what it is. So this is kind of what's going to happen to Mac Jones and Bryce Young, barring he just goes crazy. Yeah, Bryce Young's just one of those guys where you see when you see him take this by QB, he's just an anomaly. He's just one of those talents. And that, the same goes for DJ. Both of those guys are just... They're going to be multi-year starters, and they're going to they're going to lead their teams in national championships. I think that we probably get a Clemson championship led by DJ and an Alabama championship led by Bryce Young in that tenure. And hey, who knows? The Bryce Young it could be next year. Yeah, for all we know, it could be. And that's you said something earlier that just kind of reminded me of what I what I'm saying with this. Truthfully, Mac Jones again. Mac Jones is not a bad quarterback. In fact, you won't know that Mac Jones can't get it done fully until later in the season, like you said, when they go up against someone that's giving them hell and they can't really get it done. And it's like, what do we do? You're going to put in Bryce Young and everybody's like, or they're going to start clamoring for Bryce Young because that's what teams do. It would happen at Clemson if Trevor Lawrence was playing just awful for the first six games. They would start saying, DJ, DJ. This is what happens in college football. That's just the nature of it. They want to see, if, especially if you got this young hotshot guy behind him, it happened with Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. It's probably going to happen with Bryce Young. Again, do not think that that means Mac Jones can't get it done. If he goes to the transfer portal, he goes to another team, he could probably light it up. Uh, but we'll see. Again, I think Bryce Young wins that one. The next one is for the national champions, the LSU Tigers. <laughs> All right, so LSU is in a bad situation because they have not only lost Joe Burrow, but they have also lost their quarterback coach and passing game coordinator. Joe Brady to the NFL. Uh, they don't leave a big stable of awesome quarterbacks behind them. They do return Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan is a junior. Okay. He is talented. He can play like a Mac Jones, not a bad quarterback. But if you're expecting him to be Joe Burrow part two, you're going to have a whole lot of disappointment, LSU fans. It's not going to happen. Uh, in fact, I don't even think that he was going to be the starter. Peter Parrish, in my opinion, uh, was probably going to be the front runner to get the job, but he was suspended indefinitely by Ed Orgeron earlier this year for reasons unknown. Of course, 
I don't know how to deal with that because if you know Ed Orgeron, he'll allow a player to be suspended for the entire year until the national championship and play. So, yeah, that I'm calling shots on that. <laughs> but uh, I think Peter Parrish would have been the guy that uh, probably would come in and be the most productive. He doesn't remind me a whole lot of Joe Burrow. He's more of the uh, – uh, I, I – I don't know that there's a quarterback you can truly compare him with. Uh, maybe he's a less athletic version of Deshaun Watson. Uh, he has a pretty good arm. He's very, very accurate, but he is not very athletic. Neither was Joe Burrow, but he also had one of the best offensive lines. Technically, if you're going by awards, he did have the best offensive line in college football this past season. But Joe, right now, Joe Burrow changed the narrative of the LSU quarterbacks because we all remember quarterbacks of the past. They were all <laughs> they were all bad. I don't want to disparage those guys. I don't want to talk about them because they're good at the craft, but they were just not good. They were boring, terrible offenses. And then Joe Burrow comes in and just does a whole code switch. Everything is different. They are super good. They are 15-0 now. Hey, they, they demolished everyone, including the Clemson Tigers, in the way to the national championship. But now they're left covered bare. Uh, outside of Peter Parrish, since he's indefinitely suspended, however long that's going to be, you're going to have Max Johnson, a true freshman, is actually Brad Johnson of the Buccaneers and the Seahawks in a uh, son. Uh, he's a true freshman. He's really, really good, folks. I think he has a chance to actually come in and possibly win the job, too, just because of the fact that I don't know that I have a whole lot of faith, faith in Miles Brennan. You also have uh, some other guys there, but I'm really thinking that it's going to be down to Max Johnson uh, and Miles Brennan. What do you think, Fax? Well, it will be interesting to see how that situation unfolds with Peter Parrish because I agree with you there that I think he might be the front runner for the job. I, I think that LSU fans would probably be expecting for him to be the starter going into the season, and that would be what the media would be expecting too. But obviously we can't tell what's going to go on with that situation because not a lot of information has been given about it. Um, I do want to kind of object something that you said. I don't think that Joe Burrow coming in really changed the whole thing with the, uh, with the LSU quarterbacks because he was not very good at his first year at LSU. You. He was a, he was he was an average QB. I think that most of that can be credited to Brady coming in, the passing game coordinator. He's the glorified OC if we're being real. And obviously he took a job with Matt Rule in the Carolina Panthers. I think that I think that there's a good chance their offense struggles a lot regardless of who's the, uh, at the QB play uh, this year because of uh, Joe Brady's absence. I'm actually going to rebuttal you on that one. So while I do agree with you, Joe Burrow was the same quarterback that got blank 29 nothing in Death Valley against Alabama the year before. He's also the same quarterback that came back and really embarrassed Alabama's defense the year before. In fact, he pretty much embarrassed everybody's defenses. I don't think it was that Joe Burrow was bad. I think his work ethic changed over the season. So I think what ended up happening is I, I think he understood that, hey, I have been a background, non-playable character for college football for the last four years. How can I go out with a bang on my fifth year? And I think it took a full-team effort uh, for them to really change the narrative. I think Joe Burrow showed a lot of things. He showed that he's able to move inside the pocket. He's more athletic than we thought. Uh, he doesn't have the strongest arm, and apparently he has tiny little hands, but the guy is still very accurate. In fact, deadly accurate, so much so that our best cornerback couldn't stop any of those back shoulder throws because they were perfectly placed uh, between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So I think Joe Burrow did change it a little bit. Uh, I think everybody expects LSU to have better quarterback play in the future. I'm just not having it. I think LSU is going to go uh, not back to being boring offense, but I don't think that they're going to 
I think they're going to max 10 wins this year. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. But uh, I think we, we, we're we on the same page it's just for different reasons, I think, is the type thing. But if I had to pick someone to win the job, it would probably be – I feel like this is just – they're coming off a national championship, um, and this is a year where they've kind of got some leniency. But I still expect them to go with the veteran. I think that Brennan wins the job even though – Johnson's the more talented player. I think Brennan wins the job just kind of as like a safety option, like a tr- like he's got the trust of the coaching staff. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. And Nathan Swords over on uh, Facebook says, "Nah, Joe Burrow took advantage of a 2019 style offense." I completely agree with that, uh, but I do think that we saw things that it, it wasn't necessarily all scheme from Joe Burrow coming out and again I don't really like Joe Burrow I think he showed his true colors later in the year I don't really like Joe Burrow but at the same time it's one of those deals where I do like Joe Burrow because I do think he can't he learned how to play the game and this is the reason why he's being looked at as the number one quarterback he was playing but I agree with you on there Nathan I think that he's playing in a offense that was you know nobody in college football figured out how to stop it for an entire game. There's a lot of teams that stopped it for a couple of drives, stopped it for a half, but did not stop it for the entire game because it's an NFL concepts offense. So uh, I agree with you there. Uh, moving along now, we're going to talk about my favorite team to rag on, but a, a team that I also wish would, I secretly wish would just be really good so we can get this over with and give the ACC more credit. And that is the Florida State Seminoles. Oh, God. Where do we start with this train wreck? Okay, so James Blackman is coming back for his fourth year. Of course, he was a starter. He was a he was a backup. Then he was a starter. Then he was a backup. Then he was a starter. So we don't know what's going to happen with James Blackman this season, but I'm presuming he's going to be the starter. Of course, Mike Norvell, new head coach, is coming over, bringing a totally different offense than he's seen for the third year in a row. He first had a pro-style offense with Jimbo Fisher. Then you want to go to some kind of gimmicky offense with Willie Taggart and Kendall Bryles. Uh, whatever. He wasn't really suited for that either. He's kind. He's better suited for Mike Norvell's offense. He has the build of a Mike Norvell quarterback, but he is not the most talented quarterback on the roster. With that said, there is Jordan Travis, transfer from Louisville. He transferred last year. He's still there. Uh, and then you have two guys who are young coming in that could potentially make some noise, but it's going to be a little bit different because these guys didn't come in in spring. Of course, one of them wasn't only going to be a fall enrollee anyway. The other one's going to be an early enrollee. Of course, we had no spring. That is Chubba Purdy, the guy who wins the award for the weirdest name in college football, uh, and Tate Rodemaker. He was, an U- he was a USF lean until Jeff Scott there got there, and I guess that didn't fit or whatnot, and he ended up going to Florida State. So, uh I think James Blackman has the upper hand in this one. I think he's going to win that game. I mean, win this battle. I don't know that he wins it for the entire year. Whether it's health or just him imploding uh, on the field, I don't know that he keeps it. I think there's a chance that uh, either Chubba Purdy, talented freshman, I mean, really, really talented, could win this, or uh, Jordan Travis. I think Chubba needs to put on a little weight, but uh, Jordan Travis is definitely there too. What do you think, Faxon? I think Jordan Travis is going to win the job. Uh, I'm, I'm a big believer in Jordan Travis. I mean, it took him three snaps last year to have the longest uh, rush by a quarterback in Florida State history, 66 <laughs> yards. And uh, I think the comment on that, like uh, the coach staff was like, we knew he was really athletic, but wow. it was I, this When he's on the field, his legs are just such a threat. And I don't know that Blackman has enough arm talent to constitute keeping him in uh, over Jordan Travis because – in my opinion, Jordan Travis is just a better Blackman. 
he's just better. His body is more fit to be a QB um, because he's got some more weight on him. And Blackman, I, I think I've said this on this show before, Blackman's a one-read QB. He's a one-read QB, and then he gets happy feet in the pocket. His mechanics get super sloppy, and he looks to run. So if you're going to have a guy like that in there, why would you not have Jordan Travis, who could literally play running back if he really needed to, and also has more arm talent than Blackman? I think that last year it was a problem of Jordan Travis coming in so late. He got the waiver, uh, NCAA transfer waiver, a little bit later. So he wasn't more acclimated with the Kendall Brawls offense yet. Of course, that was a modified air raid type offense, but they were just calling it spread and being basic like they are. But I think what ended up hap happening is that James Blackman was the kind of like the – they didn't have any other choice. Of course, they had Alex Hornibrook transfer over from Wisconsin come in, but he's terrible too so they didn't really have a whole lot of options why not just go with the guy who's been around for two years already I think that's kind of be more going to be kind of more of the same this season with Mike Norvell James Blackman has a beautiful beautiful at times better than Trevor Lawrence I know I'm going to little flack about that but I've watched a lot of football I can tell you at times better deep ball than Trevor Lawrence any intermediate and short throws Awful. He's off the mark. He has no accuracy. It's like if he was on Madden, he'd have zero rating. I don't know what's going on going on with that, but yeah, Blackman, he can <laughs> he can throw the deep ball for sure. But with him, like I said, it's just mechanics. It's can he just stay grounded in the pocket and complete his throws, go through his progression, and I think that Norvell will help him benefit from that if he does end up winning the job. Just because I mean, we saw Brady White at Memphis. Norvell's a QB guy. He he's got a good relationship with his QB, so it's really going to be interesting to see who ends up starting with the job and ending with the job, like we said. Uh, I feel like there could be some turnover there midseason, especially if they're not getting results that they want to. Well, it's kind of funny because, if I'm not mistaken, the kid has never been taught how to be a quarterback at all. Uh, when, J when Jimbo Fisher was there, of course, they had DeAndre Francois. James Blackman was an afterthought. If not for the injury against Alabama, pretty much in the first game of the season – uh, James Blackman would have probably been a complete afterthought in uh, Florida State football, but he was thrust in. He wasn't ready to play. He doesn't know how to play quarterback. Yeah, so. he would have transferred for sure. I feel like he would have been one of those guys that transferred or maybe position changed. Well, you know, he's actually – he was in the transfer portal this season, but he decided to come back out once he, I guess, got the word that he could mesh with Mike Norville and Wyatt Rector, uh, another transfer quarterback, had moved over moved over to tight end. So Yeah, it's going to be know. interesting at Florida State this year if this is the year where they kind of they kind of put it all back together. I mean – you don't see prestigious programs that have won championships in a decade just go into the gutter. and They're going to come up eventually. It's just, is Blackman the guy that's going to bring him out of that hole? Well, that answer's no. Yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. But no. maybe Jordan Travis, Purdy's really talented. One of those guys, maybe after Blackman's career, or maybe if they win the job this year, I think one of those guys, a company with Norvell, maybe they get some recruits. That could be getting them back on pace for like a 10-1 season. I do think they'll win like seven games, though, this year. Yeah. Seven to eight games. I think, I think seven's the floor for them. I, I think they still have talent. Now, if you're looking at those tackling drills that we saw on Twitter, that's not good look. But uh, I still think that they're going to be a talented team. If I'm Mike Norvell, I'm letting everybody know in Florida State uh, fan base that this is going to be a rebuild again. I think Willie Taggart's problem is that he came in and said, hey, we're going to win immediately, and then nothing happened. Kind of like Manny Diaz is doing. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's those Florida schools, but uh, I think right now, I think the future is Chubba Purdy. I think right now is going to be James Blackman, though, unfortunately, for Florida State fans. He might progress again, who knows, but it is what it is.
We're going to move on to another quarterback battle that's kind of out of left field. We haven't talked about this before, and I'm sure a lot of you guys won't have any idea about it. But I think this is going to be important because it has some ties to Clemson as well, if you're a Clemson fan, and just college football in general. Now, we're going to be talking about the Northwestern Wildcats. They've got seven quarterbacks on their roster. Seven. Count them. Seven. None of them are pretty good at all, but we'll see, except one, actually. I'll go back with that, and we'll talk about this because I think this one guy who just transferred, and if you watched episode three, we'll give you a little bit more of those insight to that, too. But they have seven quarterbacks. They're going to be trying to figure that out. Right now, the starter is TJ Green. He started last season, for the most part, was injured uh, and had to sit out the rest of the season. Uh, and then comes uh, Hunter Johnson, of course. Hunter Johnson transferred from Clemson uh, in the 2018 season. Uh, Hunter Johnson did awful. Really bad. Like, terribly bad. Uh, historically bad. So they ended up taking him out for another guy, uh, true freshman Aiden Swanson last season. I mean, Aiden Smith. Aiden Swanson's at Clemson. Excuse me. Aiden Smith. Now they're going to go into this season with other guys, including those three, but now Indiana transfer quarterback Peyton Ramsey. Of course, he was in a battle with Michael Penix up there. Michael Penix gets hurt. Peyton Ramsey comes in, takes him to a bowl game. They are respectable. They put a lot of fear in a lot of people. Peyton Ramsey is probably going to win that job eventually. Uh, but right now I think it's TJ Green's job to win. What do you think about that, man? I, th that's Seven quarterbacks is awful. That's like Clemson in 2017. Well, I like Hunter Johnson as far as just like a person perspective. He's a good guy. I liked he him is. when he was at Clemson. Uh, but he didn't get the job. But he didn't get the job done at all. I mean, he like you said, he was historically bad, and that just really hurt me as like a big believer in him when he was at I Clemson because I, I thought he was going to be really good. I thought he had a lot of potential. Him and Zarek Cooper, and you saw Zarek. Zarek's been playing really well down yeah. Jacksonville State. Yeah, he broke so a lot of records there. You see, uh, he's been breaking records for uh, that conference down there in Jacksonville. So, and I think Cole Stouts is Cole Stouts on the staff down there at Jacksonville State? Cole Stout is no longer on staff at Jacksonville State. He's no longer on the no. staff. Okay. So uh, I was going to say there have been multiple Clemson ties down there, but uh, I think Peyton Ramsey's going to win the job. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana, he was a great player, but they could never really figure out whose job it was at Indiana with Phoenix Jr. or Peyton Ramsey because they're both – I feel like I view them as equal. Yep. They're both good at different things, but I don't know if one of them is that far ahead of each other. So I think this might be time for Peyton Ramsey to come in and prove that he can be that QB1 at a D1 program. Uh, I feel I feel like this is Peyton Ramsey's job to lose, but TJ Green's very good as well to his credit. Yeah, for sure. TJ Green was the guy that was going to give them hope uh, at Northwestern. Of course, when Hunter Johnson transferred there, he was presumed the starter – uh, but then spring came through, and that's what I'm talking about. This is why I'm saying, guys, spring is very important. Uh, it came through, and TJ Green kind of emerged as the guy. Of course, he got hurt early on. I uh, was unable to finish the season, but they've got a lot of quarterbacks, so they got to figure out something soon. That fall camp, uh, somebody's going to transfer during the during the fall camp. But I and Hunter, who's to say Hunter Johnson doesn't turn it around? And doesn't become the starter again. That would like be you. that would be absolutely great. Exactly. It could, he's he's got the talent to do it. We know how how talented Hunter is. He, right. In his brief, in some brief moments that he got uh, <laughs> at Clemson in that Syracuse game, he wasn't bad. Right, right. And so that's what I'm saying. I, I can't dismiss him yet, but I it's just hard to see, especially with you having two guys now who are uh, not only are they upperclassmen. You got T.J. Green, who's a graduate player, and Peyton Ramsey, who's coming in as a redshirt senior. Uh, but they're also just a little bit more 
familiar with being a quarterback yet in the college football season. So I, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with them. But uh, right now, I think TJ Green's going to win that one. And they might actually make some noise this season after having a dismal year this past year uh, up over in the Big Ten. We're going to move along to the Oregon Ducks, or as Mark Childress, your father, would say, the Oregon Ducks. If Mark, if you're watching, Mark, if you're watching this, I love to make fun of you about that. But uh, Oregon's got a pretty good deal right now. So, of course, they're losing pretty pretty much one of the top two quarterbacks going in the NFL right now, and Justin Herbert, guy who started for a lot of football games for them. So they're going to they're going to try to retool that going on, try to figure out what they can do at quarterback. But they have options, and not like seven options where just everybody just like eh, kind of like Northwestern. They have a couple of guys that are really good. And it starts with Tyler Shuff. Tyler Shuff is the guy that they say is most like Marcus Mariota. He's a little bit more accurate uh, than Marcus Mariota, not as fast, but he's he has all those intangibles. And Oregon hasn't had a quarterback like Marcus Mariota since. Uh, so that's going to be very integral for them to do it. There's a couple other guys that can win the battle. Uh, Kale Millen, he's uh, one of those guys that's pretty talented as well, true sophomore, uh, and true freshman Robbie Ashford. Now, the guy that a lot of people, there's a lot of excitement drumming around. If you're a Clemson fan, it's almost similar to this, to having Trevor come in, is Jay Butterfield. He is the highest-rated quarterback that Oregon has ever had. Uh, he's coming in, and he has a chance to really do it. He's got great size, great arm. Uh, one of those talented players, like I wouldn't say once in a lifetime player, generational player like that, but he is really, really, really good. Uh, he could push uh, Shuff for the job. What do you think about that, man? I think Oregon has the pieces if they can find the right quarterback and get their offensive line retooled. They have the pieces to be very successful. What do you think? Um, I think that Shuff's going to win the job. Uh, I think he's the best player there. I don't see Cristobal being comfortable with starting a true freshman at QB. That's just that's just the impression that I get from him. I think he's going to prioritize seniority, and I do think Shaw's the better player. Uh, Oregon's the favorite in my eyes to win the Pac-12 this year. I think Cristobal knows that, so I think he's going to go with the more experienced guy at QB. I can agree with that, too. And again, there's comparisons uh, to Tyler Shelf of Marcus Mariota. Of course, Marcus Mariota is held in high regard because he's the quarterback that won the Heisman Trophy for them. Uh, also took him to the national championship. Of course, he lost it, but he did take him there. So that's a lot of praise coming out, especially when he just had Justin Herbert and he could potentially be uh, a top 12 pick in the NFL draft, uh, having your backup saying that. And Justin Herbert has also uh, said a lot of uh, complimentary things about Tyler Schuff, saying he's a very talented uh, quarterback as well that he could play some football for him. Uh, but I think right now, if they get the right quarterback, again, they have the pieces in place. If they get the right quarterback, they can go and be successful. You might see Oregon in the playoffs. They have to go undefeated. Uh, moving along to a team that uh, I'm really annoyed with, and this team always gets the benefit of doubt of quarterbacks just because the last few years, uh, and that's the Oklahoma Sooners. And every year, the next quarterback is being said, oh, he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it was Jalen Hurts this year, even though we all knew Jalen Hurts was not going to win the Heisman Trophy. But, I mean, it appealed to everyone's heart and yada, yada, yada. But now they're coming up with another quarterback that could win the Heisman in their eyes, and that's Spencer Rattler. Now, Spencer Rattler, folks, is a really, really talented player. In fact, he was super talented in high school, uh, but he could not beat Jalen Hurts uh, this past season uh, at Oklahoma. Now, they did put in... Uh, Spencer Rattler against LSU, but the game was already over and they had to try to salvage something because they couldn't throw the ball down the field with Jalen Hurts. See, I told you Jalen Hurts was winning quarterback. Anyway, uh, they wanted to have Spencer Rattler come in to try to ignite some kind of passing offense, some kind of threat at all. He has a really good strong arm. He's about 6'1", 
Uh, he's about 200 pounds, kind of lean guy, almost reminds me of a slightly smaller Baker Mayfield, uh, but he has a rocket arm. If he can come in and win this battle, I think that can help Oklahoma be really good, but I still think Oklahoma is going to take a little bit of a dip. He's going to be going up against a guy in Tanner Mordecai, uh, a guy who's been around for three years. He could have left as well, did not. Uh, and Chandler Morris. If you're a Clemson Tiger fan, that is Chad Morris, former offensive coordinator at Clemson's son. Uh, he was going to go to Arkansas, which is, I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, he was going to go to Arkansas, but changed his mind and decided to go to Oklahoma. So they have a three quarterback tier thing going over there. Uh, all three of those guys can win for them. I'm not sure any of them will win the Heisman. What do you think? Well, the obvious choice here is Spencer Rattler. I mean, like he's got a rocket. Uh, and he's ridiculously talented. I mean, you've seen and you've seen videos on social media of him working out. Like when you see his high school tape as well, he just jumps off the page. I mean, I, I don't see a scenario where Mordecai or Morris push Rattler for this job. And I think Lincoln Riley's almost kind of deemed him the next guy. And I think that's uh, the presumption that the OU fan base and media is going under too is that the starting QB for this season will be Spencer Rattler. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of people were expecting Spencer Rattler to be the starter in his freshman year until Jalen Hurts announced his uh, decision to transfer to Oklahoma. I think a lot of people were like, that's weird. Okay. Uh, but I think they thought that it was going to be him. And even Lincoln Riley did the coach speak thing. And before the season was like, you know, we're still working out. We don't know who our starter is going to be, knowing it's going to be Jalen the whole time. But I think that if he goes back and probably thinks about it, if Spencer Rattler has a little bit more time in that offense, learns the playbook a little bit more, Spencer Rattler could have prob probably won that job midseason last year. And that's something we talked about and joked about a lot with my friends and everyone. Uh, Spencer Rattler making Jalen Hurts transfer yet again. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that Spencer Rattler is one of those – he is one of those generational guys, but he has to be able to get the playbook down and figure out – Everything He's going to look better than he is because he plays in the Big 12 and nobody plays defense there. And he's going to have 10,000 passing yards uh, by the third game of the season. I'm just interested in seeing what happens in the postseason or when they play the better teams in the country. Moving on to Arkansas, the Razorbacks. Uh, they are kind of in a weird flux. They had a whole bunch of quarterbacks as well, too. Now they've kind of shortened it down a little bit. They still have a bunch of quarterbacks, but they only have about three, in my opinion, that can really make it. And Well, they do have about four that can do it, but it depends on what happens in his progression during the fall. Now, the presumed starter is going to be Felipe Franks. He's a transfer from Florida, and if you're an Arkansas fan, you're probably not excited about that because you've seen Felipe Franks continually disappoint Florida fans for years. Uh, but he has very strong arm, very big guy. I didn't realize he was about 6'6", 250 pounds. Big guy. He's had injury issues. He's got accuracy issues. But if you work with him, he could potentially have one of those Joe Burrow-type turnarounds. Depends on the offense. We'll see going forward. New head coach Sam Pittman's very, very excited about him. I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to be Felipe Franks. He's probably going to win that one outright. But I, there are other guys that can do this. Now, I'm looking at guys – like K.J. Jefferson, true sophomore, came in against LSU last year and did pretty good. I thought he actually had a chance to really show his make a name for himself and show that he could play some football. In fact, I still think he can potentially win the job this year uh, or at least be a good handy backup because Felipe Franks, again, has injury issues. Uh, he'll he'll also be going up against John Stephen Jones. He is the grandson of Jerry Jones of the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I really hate saying that. I can't even say it. Dallas Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> he's one of those guys that's smaller. He reminds me 
of a guy that just got the job because he's a le- legacy uh, player. Of course, Jerry Jones played at Arkansas and was a very big-time player there. Uh, he is just kind of there. Of course, he can throw the ball, but he's just not. Uh, I, okay, he's a little bit, he's a worse version of Tucker Israel if you're a Clemson fan. That Same body type, everything, uh, but he's just kind of existing there. He's a, a obviously a Division One quarterback, so I'm not going to rag on him too much. And then they also signed freshman Malik Hornsby. This guy is the real deal. He's a four-star quarterback. Uh, Should have probably been a five-star. Very, very talented guy. I'm just interested in seeing because he didn't come in during the spring. Obviously, he doesn't have spring at all anyway. But if he comes in in the fall, can he make enough noise to at least crack the two deep uh, of the roster? Uh, what are you thinking about that, Fax? Yeah, uh, I think that Franks is going to win the job. Franks is naturally talented. I, he's a grad transfer coming over. He wasn't that bad in 2018, people forget. Uh, he was actually a pretty decent quarterback in 2018. I, I'm not a big believer in him, but I feel like with him, it's just it's coaching and it's attitude and it's work ethic. Uh, he's got... He's got good size. He's got a good arm. He can make all the throws. It's just how I will be interested to see how his mobility will be coming off of that injury, Um, how he can move in the pocket, what his mechanics are looking like post-injury. And uh, I'll be interested to see how he responds to a new coaching staff. I feel like a a fresh situation could benefit him. I actually don't think he has the arm to make all the throws, uh, and that's pretty evident. Uh, But at the same time, I think he is one of those guys that if you get him – the right weapons. Uh, and and we're, we go back to coaching. He has had two bonehead coaches, but at the same time, if you think about his coaches, he had Jim McElwain, who was supposed to be the offensive quarterback guru type guy. And then he also had Dan Mullen, who was supposed to be the offensive quarterback guru guy. He had Tim Tebow and Chris Leak and all these other guys. He had Cam Newton at one point at Florida. It's He was supposed to be the guy. So I, I think, like you said, I think it's more work ethic and just natural talent he might be lacking a little bit with accuracy, but again, he is a quarterback that can win some games. Florida did do pretty good with him in 2018. I will give him that, but I do think he can win that job. Again, I just wish that Arkansas would give KJ Jefferson a chance. Again, he looked really talented on film. Everything that I've seen on film, I've read a lot, but he's a great player, great teammate. Uh, of course, he's very young. And he still has to learn everything. Of course, it's not going to help him that he's learning from a new regime, a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator. But if they can get that boat running, I think he'll be a good backup at least. Uh, same for Hornsby. That's going to be a pretty good battle going forward in the future with Hornsby being a true freshman and Jefferson being a sophomore. Moving along to the Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, very, very strange team. I don't think anybody thought they were going to be as good as they were, especially coming off the beginning of the year where they got embarrassed two times in a row. But then they ended up coming and pulling it back together and having a pretty great season, actually. I think uh, someone told me that they have the longest winning streak right now in college football, which is weird. (laughs) Actually, no, LSU has that one. Take that back uh, at this point. Um, but they're going to be coming back with Jarrett Garantano. He was supposed to, there was a lot of speculation that he was going to transfer or potentially go pro. I didn't think he was ready to go pro, but Jarrett Garantano decided to come back for his senior season at Tennessee. Now he had, he's kind of like a smaller version of Felipe Franks. Uh, he's actually more accurate than Felipe Franks, but it just doesn't show on film because sometimes he gets happy feet. He's a one read guy. He tries to figure out everything. Uh, and then he got injured in comes Freshman Brian Maurer. Now, Brian Maurer came in against Alabama, and I don't know if you guys watched this game or not, but at one point it was like, <laughs> Tennessee's going to actually do it. They're actually going to beat Alabama with this freshman quarterback. 
Of course, it didn't happen. But Brian Maurer, at that point, changed the narrative of quarterbacks for uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. A lot of their fans were like, hey, man, maybe we should give this guy a chance. Then he goes and gets hurt. <laughs> but now they're coming back. They're going to have both of those guys this season. I think that's only a two-man battle. Uh, I don't think anybody else is going to have a chance to win that one. But I do think that Brian Maurer, given what he showed against some of the better competition when he actually played, uh, I think he has a chance to be the starter. Regardless of Garantano being the starter all the last two years, I think that he could potentially beat him. What do you think about that, Fex? I think it's uh, Mars' job to lose, in my opinion. I don't think that Guarantano is very good. Uh, go. Just just what I saw based off of last year, I, I feel like Mars is going to win the job. I feel like he's more talented. Guarantano does have the experience, but I, I don't know if you watched a lot of Tennessee football last year. I'm assuming you did. Yeah. Jared Guarantano, he's not very good. No. He, he's not very good. He's got slow feet. Uh, his, th- his throwing mechanics are sloppy, and I think that they're just going to – I think we might be able to see a scenario. I know that Guarantano's a redshirt senior, but if he doesn't win the job in camp, maybe he tries to get an extra year of eligibility elsewhere because I think that Tennessee is just committed to moving forward with Marr as their QB. Well, yeah, he could definitely transfer out. He still has an opportunity to do that. Uh, but it would have to be from some – because I think his injury – his redshirt was an injury, so he can have an extra year to be able to transfer with the transfer portal now. Uh, but I do think – I agree with you 100% that Brian Morrow is going to win it. Now, Jared Garantano coming out of high school was one of the better passing quarterbacks out there. He was really good with his mechanics and everything. <laughs> Super good. But I think he had the unfortunate situation of not only playing under Butch Jones, who might be the worst coach in college football, uh, but he came in with a Jeremy Pruitt, who's not really big on offense. So he hasn't had a whole lot of, you know, I guess continuity or any kind of development. Jim Chaney was your offensive coordinator. He's boring. We saw that at Georgia. So what can he do to get better? I'm not sure. Brian Mara came in and immediately – uh, had some heads turning again against Alabama. There was a tight moment where everybody's like, ah, they're on our feet. And we, and when you watch, go back and watch them against BYU, where you go back and watch them against the, uh, I can't, uh, Georgia state, uh, Georgia Southern. Uh, no, it was Georgia state. You go back and watch them against Georgia state. Jared Garantano could not complete a pass if he wanted to, if you paid him a million dollars and said, if you complete this one five yard pass, you will get this million dollars. He would throw it 30 yards. That's just the way it works. So, again, I think I agree with you. I think Brian Mara wins this job outright. Moving along to Baylor, we only got a few more here. Again, folks, thanks for joining us. appreciate you sticking with us if you're watching. Uh, make sure to say hi in the comments if you're there. That way we know you're watching, having fun with us. We're going to move on to Baylor. The Baylor Bear, of course, they have new head coach Dave Aranda. He's going to be bringing a new offensive coordinator as well. Uh, Matt Rule has moved on to the NFL to coach the Carolina Panthers and is doing a terrible job early on, late, on, so far right now, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, right now, he's got a couple of quarterbacks that he can play with, and that is Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer is a senior coming back for his senior season. Uh, he started for the last two years for Baylor. Uh, you also have Jacob Zeno, who is a redshirt sophomore now, redshirt freshman now. So uh, one of those guys that can really come out and play. We'll talk more about that specifically. And then we also have Gary Bohannon. I think that Jerry Bohannon is one of those guys that they thought was going to be the number two clear cut. But after some things happened later in the season, I think the narrative has changed at Baylor. Now, Charlie Brewer is going to be presumably the starter to start the season. Charlie Brewer, though, has a problem. Charlie Brewer is one of those dual threat quarterbacks, and he knows it. He will run. He will not slide. Uh, he, he will stand in the pocket way too long. That's just the guy who he is. As a result, he gets sacked a lot. He gets hit a lot, and he's had a lot of concussions. Uh, in fact, I'm not 
too sure that if he gets one or two more, he doesn't have to retire from football altogether. That's going to be an issue because if he's healthy and playing well, then Baylor has the weapons to play and make a lot of uh, progress offensively. If he's not healthy, they're going to have to let him go. And I think it's going to go to true for, I mean, uh, redshirt uh, freshman Jacob Zeno. Now, Jacob Zeno came in uh, against Oklahoma. He came in in the bowl game. Uh, he's one of those guys that had never apparently had never taken a snap with starters at all until that happened. Uh, he was thrown in the game because backup Jerry Bohannon was not playing well at all, and he also got hurt. And then when they found Jacob Zeno, there was like, this guy can ball. Now they have a guy who could potentially come up and push for the starting position. I think he might win it, but it's going to be a couple of games into the season. What do you think, Faxon? Well, I'm just going to go based off of the – I don't know whether Charlie Brewer is going to play or not. Um, if Charlie Brewer is playing, he's the clear-cut number one. Right. But it just health is just an issue with him. I mean, I respect it because he's just a competitor. That's what he is. Uh, he goes out there and he competes and he plays hard on every down. But his health is just to the point where it's literally dangerous to him to even be on the field anymore. I mean, four concussions. I think he's got five in two years now. It's just uh, that's a terrible situation. But I'm a big believer in Jacob Zeno. Uh he showed a lot in that Oklahoma game and that bowl game, and he was a good player in high school. When we saw Bo Hannon in, the, in those two games, just I, nothing impressive nothing at, all. at all. Nothing at all was there where you where you saw that you were just like, wow, this guy could be the quarterback of this program in the future. So I don't think that Bo Hannon has any chance of beating out Zeno for the job. I, I think Zeno's clearly the more talented quarterback. Uh, Bo Hannon does have some talent with his legs, but I, I don't think it's enough to overcome Zeno. No, I think Zeno in the end is going to win this one. It's going to be a couple of games into the season, though, because obviously he's not going to be able to show what he has during the spring. And the fall is where you get to really get your install in. But fortunately, he's been at Baylor. Uh, this will be his third year. So... Uh, his second year, so he's going to be able to have this uh, this experience behind him. And again, Charlie, if he can't stay healthy, then I'm not exactly sure he can make it throughout this se this season. Uh, my thoughts go out to him as well, too, because it, it always sucks to hear a guy that might have to retire, especially when they're so young uh, because of injuries and things like that. Moving on, folks, we've got to get this wrapped up a little bit. We've got a couple more to talk about, and I'm going to let you guys go, even though it's a boring Tuesday night. And you ain't doing anything else anyway, except watching Tiger King or whatever <laughs> whatever that is, but uh, we're going to move on to Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin was not really a quarterback battle, but I think that there's going to be some things that come out uh, this offseason that might make people change their mind. Of course, Jack Cohn is a starter. Jack Cohn started all all season last year, but Jack Cohn was kind of helped out by having an all-world running back in Jonathan Taylor behind him. Now you're not going to have that uh, to that level of production, so it's going to have to take a little bit more effort uh, from the quarterback position. You also lose your number one receiver in uh, Quintez Cephas, so now you got to really just rely on your talent. Uh, and this is where it gets interesting because last year, Graham Mertz, true freshman last season, was the guy that everybody thought, hey, this guy is going to win. That's one of the reasons why Alex Hornibrook went to Florida State because he knew, hey, man, this is a crowded quarterback room and I can't beat out that true freshman. Now Graham Mertz is going to be a sophomore with a whole year with the playbook under him. And there's a chance he can come in. He is better. He is more talented in all phases than Jack Cohn. But Jack Cohn has the experience. Graham Mertz is bigger. He has a stronger arm. He's more athletic, much faster. Graham Mertz is one of those quarterbacks that is an actual dual threat. Uh, and he's accurate. So I don't know that if he that Jack Cohn can hold him off, other than the fact that maybe Mertz doesn't get the playbook. What do you think about this one? This is one of those off-the-beat off beat ones, too. I think all the Big Ten ones are. Uh, what do you think about that one, man? 
It's going to be interesting to see what transpires in Wisconsin. I'm not a big believer in Jack Cohn, but then again, he does have two years of experience on uh, Graham Mertz. So it's, I feel like it's one of those things where I don't know how much of an impact camp will have on who wins this job. I feel like the coaches have probably already made up their minds, and maybe I'm wrong there, but I feel like Cohn will start the season as the starter. And if you see him have some struggles with no Jonathan Taylor, then we might see Mertz take over and be that program guy for the next few years to come at Wisconsin. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I think that if Mertz can convince Paul Christ that he is a better athlete and better player and he has the playbook, then you'll see Mertz play. If he can't convince a guy who is dead set on running the ball 90% of the time anyway, then I don't think it matters, and I think Jack Cohn will be the starter now. Jack Cohn, like Mac Jones, is not a bad quarterback. He just isn't as talented as the guy behind him. And that's just the way it works sometimes. Again, at Clemson, if you know that, that was the same deal with uh, Kelly Bryant and uh, Trevor Lawrence. It was the same as Deshaun Watson uh, being behind Cole Stout. It's just the way it works out sometimes. That's the nature of college football. But you know what? Uh, If Jack Cohn can get it through and he improves on his stock, he could be a better quarterback as well than 2020. Uh, But he's going to have to have some weapons behind him because, again, he does not have a 2,000-yard rusher behind him uh, every season. So that's going to be interesting. And last one, we're going to save this last one uh, because I've been saving this one because it's fun. Uh, and there, if you're a Clemson Tiger, this is game one for us. Uh, and this might be the worst quarterback room in college football uh, until we see otherwise. And obviously there's a reason, but it's the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets or Rambling Wreck, depends on where you're from. But uh, th- they've also got six quarterbacks on their roster. Uh, I really think that it only comes down to three, and one of them is a true freshman. So we'll talk about this a little bit now. Um, Right now, Georgia Tech is probably going to go in with the the favorite to win the the job, James Graham. James Graham was the guy that came in and showed everybody, hey, he can actually throw the football. It was weird seeing Georgia Tech quarterback throw the football accurately. It just hadn't happened a whole lot. Now, last year's presumed starter was supposed to be Lucas Johnson, uh, he was the guy that was supposed to be the passer because he came into the season, especially from high school, uh, being a pretty prolific passer. He came to Georgia Tech. We thought that with the change with Jeff Collins at head coach and trying to run more of a modernized offense that you would see him throwing the ball more. Nope. Game one, they used Tobias Oliver, who is actually in this list, and I'm going to talk about why I don't think Tobias Oliver is even going to be considered. Now, uh, James Graham again. Redshirt sophomore, he's been there for three years. He's got talent, he's got arm strength, he can run. Of course you can run if you're a quarterback at Georgia Tech that was uh, uh, recruited previous to this season. Of course you can run, that's what you're supposed to do. But he's going to be trying to fend off pretty much two other guys, and we're going to talk about those guys. Jordan Yates, sophomore. He He doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Pretty much relatively no experience, but he has the talent that can overcome James Graham. And while uh, Georgia Tech's still trying to figure out who they are, they're only in year two of the rebuild, this is a good time for him to at least make some shine in fall camp. That way they can get the eyes, he can get eyes on him and maybe win the job. Uh, of course, they'll be also battling a true freshman. And at one point, Florida State lean Jeff Sims. Uh, Jeff Sims was going to be one of those guys that I think if he went to Florida State would have been a day one starter. Uh, but he decided to go to Georgia Tech, which is strange. I'm saying he would have been a day one starter over James Blackman at Florida State, but not at Georgia Tech. I think at Georgia Tech, his skill set is a little bit different from what they're trying to do. Uh, but if they go with trying to be more modernized, they try to throw the ball more than they run the ball, or at least comparable, uh, even amounts, I think he could play. But 
right now, that's really the only three. I mentioned Tobias Oliver because Tobias Oliver, in my opinion, is a running back or a receiver. He is not geared to be a quarterback at all in the college football level. I'm not ragging him. He's just not a quarterback. In fact, he was recruited to go to Georgia Tech to run the ball. That was the point. Uh, but then when they changed, they said, hey, we need you to throw the ball. He was like, I don't know how to do that. What, what's a football? How do you? And so he's trying to figure this out. If they move him to other positions, which they did do later in the season, uh, and he could be really dangerous. But if they go with Tobias Oliver to be a starter, uh, Georgia Tech is going to have another terrible year. Uh, what do you think about that, Fax? Um, it's a weird situation down there in Atlanta. I I don't really see a front runner for this job, if exactly. I'm being honest. It's just one of those things where, I, I, as someone who's on the outside, I have no way of analyzing or telling you who I think is going to be the starter because I don't frankly think that any of them are particularly good. And that's going to sound harsh, but it's just the reality of the situation. If I had to, if you gun to my head, if you're like, you got to pick a starter for Georgia Tech, I would say probably James Graham wins the job. But at the same time, I could see everyone else on this on their QB depth chart winning the job. Right. I really could not tell you who was going to win the job at Georgia Tech. That's the problem. That's why I started this whole part within this little spiel with them saying they have the worst quarterback room in college football. And for good reason, again, a lot of their quarterbacks are being asked to do things that they weren't naturally normal, uh, naturally uh, inclined to do. Again, if you're a quarterback previous to this past season, when you came to Georgia Tech, you were supposed to hand the ball off, hand the ball off, run the ball. That's it. You might have one 50-yard play, pass play, that they always complete for some reason. Every game they have one 50-yard pass, but it's just the worst duck-wobbly pass ever. But if you're now being asked to be an actual in a, a college quarterback, that whole prospect for Georgia Tech doesn't look good. Now, Jeff Sims is the only one, I think, in the future that could really make Georgia Tech go back to those years where they were throwing the ball all over the place. People forget about that. Chan Gailey had Georgia Tech throwing the ball everywhere. Joe Thomas, pretty good quarterback. <laughs> he won the Heisman. Uh, they won a national championship. Pretty good. But, and, you know, Calvin Johnson, when they were there, they were really doing – Reggie Ball was a quarterback at that point. Reggie Ball was really good. Since then, it's been a running thing for, Florida, I mean, for Georgia Tech. Uh, but I think if James Graham can really solidify himself as a passing quarterback – more than he did this past season. Then he wins this one. I agree with you. He wins this one outright. Georgia Tech might have a decent season. I still don't think that they're going to win more than six games. I still think that Clemson's going to put up close to 80 on them. Uh, <laughs> I kid on that. But I, I think that if they get a quarterback and get their identity, figure out they want what they want to do, uh, Georgia Tech could be all right. And with that said, folks, we're at the end of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you watching. Of course, if you missed it, you can catch, you can catch the recap again on YouTube. That'll be available later in the week, as well as the podcast, the 4th and 16 podcast. And you can find that wherever you find your podcast. Uh, just look for the 4th and 16 logo, orange and purple. You know what time it is. So, folks, thanks for joining me. Stay safe. Uh, thank you for watching. This has been a very long one, so we'll try to wrap this one up. But again, I'll see you next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Have a great night and see you next week.